Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The culinary landscape is ever evolving, so you won't want to miss a weekend of delicious conversation. On this show, you'll hear from chefs and pastry aficionados, restaurateurs and food bloggers, cookbook authors, wine geeks, beer experts, celebrity chefs, and more. This is your lifestyle show where we dish on fabulous food, wine and spirits, travel, health, and living the best life. It's my goal to feed your soul. And so I hope you won't miss a weekend of fabulous food with me. If you happen to have missed a show or you'd like to master a topic, you can always find my podcasts on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. And I have lots of gastronomic inspiration, recipes galore at chefjamie.com. And on social, please become a friend and a fan at Chef Jamie Gwen. So fresh strawberries are perfuming the markets and the good life is a bowl of cherries in July, literally corn and tomatoes are getting sweeter and soon your neighbors will be forcing on you the zucchini that has overtaken their garden, right? Summer is no doubt here. And so I thought we should talk fried chicken bliss because nothing says summer like a picnic of fried chicken. It might be the most perfect food feast in my opinion. And I like to kick off this show with a tutorial or a technique to make you the best cook you know. So let's dish on fried chicken, shall we? The one thing that all great fried chicken has in common is the crispy, delicious crust and the moist and tender, juicy chicken at the heart of it all. And how does the chicken get that way, you ask? Well, some chefs will say from a pickle brine. Now, I happen to be a brine lover, and I believe in a salt and sugar water solution to brine just about every piece of poultry, whether you're making fried chicken or roasting a chicken for Sunday supper. But there is a new trend that's continuing to build. And if you have that tasty jar of pickles in your fridge, when you're done with it, do not pour the leftover juice down the drain. Instead, consider saving it and using it as a brine next time you make fried chicken. So pickle juice, aka brine, is a mixture of water, salt, and spice. And some of the fancier varieties of pickles, which I love, have garlic and hot peppers and horseradish, even better. And the pickle juice is especially delicious in lots of dishes. By the way, brilliant in a cocktail. It may sound odd, but they're actually the same key ingredients in a perfect Bloody Mary or a dirty martini. So you should taste the pickle brine so you know what flavors you're introducing to the mix. And I always suggest you strain it before using it, whether it be for the chicken brine or in a mixed drink. You can always freeze the pickle brine from the jar as well in an ice cube tray. Um, And then you can drop it into a cocktail for a flavor kick. But back to fried chicken. 
The ultimate fried chicken, in my opinion, is brined. And no matter what brine you choose, I think it makes the chicken juicier and it stands up to the frying process. Then I like to dip in buttermilk for a nice, clean, tangy coating. And then I finish in seasoned flour and I fry in canola oil. But to get that perfectly crunchy skin that we all love so much... You need to know a few chef's tips or cardinal rules when it comes to fried chicken. So listen here. This is how you guarantee perfectly crispy fried chicken. You dry your chicken with a paper towel before dipping. And let me take a step back. I like a 24-hour brine and at the least a 12-hour brine. But if you have only a few hours, there are varying strengths of brine that will allow you to speed up the process. Now, the pickle brine takes a reasonable amount of time. But if you up the salt, let's say kosher salt, some brown sugar, some peppercorns and water in your typical brine, you can actually Uh, speed up the process, of course, and still get the benefits of a brine if you're making fried chicken with short notice. But please don't skip the brine. Now, once you've brined, you remove the chicken. I like to rinse it personally. You discard the brine and then you follow along with the process. And you always, as I said, going back, dry your chicken well with paper towels before you start to dip. Now, it sounds counterintuitive, right? There's the difference really between sticky residual moisture that's left on the skin from a brine and the coating of buttermilk or whatever your dip of choice is. But there is a risk of crispy coating getting soggy. So, dry your chicken well, please. And then take a dip in buttermilk. You could also actually soak in buttermilk. Um, I I think it adds a, a sort of silkiness to the chicken and 30 minutes or so will do the trick. Then you want, after the dip in buttermilk, to coat your chicken with flour. I season the flour really well, generously. In fact, more than you think with salt and freshly ground black pepper. And you want to pack the flour on there. It's really not like a a dip and shake. It's more like a dip and press and then shake off any excess because the extra flour turns into crispy goodness in a hot fryer. Now, some great cooks like to double dip, but I find that coating way too heavy. So I do it right the first time. And then you want to flour your chicken for fried chicken, just as the oil is coming to temperature. You don't want your coated chicken parts sitting around because the flour will soak up the moisture from the meat. Better yet, I say flour the chicken in batches, just enough to fit in the fryer or the cast iron skillet. And then you flour the next batch just before the previous fried chicken batch is ready to leave the hot oil. And then this might be my greatest trick. You must fry your bird and the pieces at a high temperature. I'm talking 380 degrees. It will fry faster than you're used to, by the way, and it will be crispier for it. And you want to keep the temperature up. You do not want the oil to dip below 340 degrees anytime during the cooking or frying process. Now, how to keep the oil at temp? Well, that requires fewer pieces in the pan, and I'm okay with that. This is a labor of love and great fried chicken takes time 
and it's so worth it. If you want to hold that fried chicken, by the way, a really low oven, like 250 with the fried chicken that comes out of the fryer set on a rack on top of a cookie sheet works well. Then you go about your next batch and your next batch and your next batch. Ah, and don't forget, When you're lowering the chicken pieces into the hot oil, I like to submerge each piece halfway and I count to five before I lower it the rest of the way. And this prevents that flat, soggy spot from developing where the chicken sits in contact with the pan. Please, last but not least, use that cooling rack, not a plate, even if you're going straight to the table because the chicken in contact with a hard surface when it comes out of the fryer creates condensation, which creates sogginess, and nobody wants that. Okay, the best fried chicken recipe, in my humble culinary opinion, it's really good, is the bonus weekly recipe this week. And I would love to share my recipe for the best old-fashioned fried chicken with you. Just email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com, and I will send you the recipe, the bonus weekly recipe this week, ultimate fried chicken. And I'd love if you'd send me a picture of your fried chicken so that I can slobber on my computer screen later next week. Uh, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. And so you wouldn't want to touch your dial because I have lots more on the way. Coming up, he is Ed Randolph, a pit master in and of his own right. You've seen him on Food Network, but he traveled the country to find the best pit masters, the best brisket, the best ribs, and to share their stories and their recipes. And his first book release called Smoked is smoking hot. And we're about to dish. Also, before the end of the hour, you'll want to hear this. Dr. Katie Marks Kogan is a board certified pediatric and adult allergist. And she is on a mission, I will say, to lessen childhood or the uh, baby allergies that children are growing into today. And so you're going to want to hear about ready, set food. They are lessening the food allergy epidemic in the U.S. and it is fascinating news. So please stay tuned. Okay, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, grab a snack, come on back. There is so much more to dig your teeth into right after this. Perfecting your palate every weekend. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Do you want a tasty snapshot into the world of smoke? Well, we're going to make you hungry. Master pitmaster Ed Randolph, who you've seen on the Food Network reign supreme, hit the road to discover the best barbecue the United States has to offer. From South Carolina to California and everywhere in between, the book is called Smoked. 
and it is getting lots of attention. Ed gives us the inside scoop on the country's best barbecue joints and the grilling legends behind them, and he's sharing the iconic recipes for you to make at home. His book, called Smoke, is the story of one man's journey to find incredible recipes and standout pitmasters. And I am so delighted to have you. Welcome, Ed. Jeff, how are you? <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you. I'm well. And you, did you bring brisket in your pocket? Uh, there's no brisket today. I do apologize. <laughs> no, 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 no sorries. I'll just, no. Uh, I'll just come to where you are for it. Um, you have a, a really wonderful story. Tell us about your life in barbecue, please, because you are a very multifaceted, multi-talented man. Uh, we are. We, I have a, a small uh, barbecue company up in the Hudson Valley of New York called Handsome Devil Barbecue. We travel everywhere from Vermont down to South Beach, uh, mm-hmm. go to uh, west to Memphis and May, um, and do all different barbecue events and festivals and competitions. And uh, as you can imagine, you roll into town, everybody tells you, hey, have you tried Chef Jamie's barbecue? Have you tried, you know, Bob's barbecue? <laughs> so we had an opportunity at the Mountain Weather Travels to um, go put all of our information together and share our travels with everybody and speak, you know, kind of show everybody where the barbecue is and tell everybody's story because we all have a story to tell. Mm, no doubt. Uh, the book is so heartfelt. I mean, aside from the fact that I licked half of the pages wanting to, you know, travel with you and eat barbecue like you do, I loved reading page by page because the pitmasters all have a story of trials and tribulations and passion and you speak to that and it was apparent in your journeys right it is and i really think it's evident to show that barbecue is family it's what, it, mm. what barbecue really stands for i mean whether yes. it's on your back deck um enjoying with your relatives or going to you know my establishment or, or billy Durney's in the hometown or out to you know uh daniel's at maple block in, in la we, we all want to give you what we make and what we would feed our families ourselves so yeah. it's, it's something that's local and it's comfort it is and barbecue definitely applies to me uh to the definition of food is love like the the hours and the effort and the passion and the patience really seeps into i believe that perfect brisket or those crazy great ribs and you can taste it and that's one of the things i i love about what you as a pit master uh, and your pitmaster friends do. Um, take us uh, on a virtual tour, if you would, with you to Brooklyn's hometown barbecue. Give me, give me a bit of those Korean sticky ribs, please. Very few people, if, if not anybody better than Billy Durney, that really mm. embraces his local environment and his community into his barbecue. Uh, alone, his brisket and his beef ribs probably could run with almost anybody's brisket and beef ribs in the U.S., um, from Texas to out west. Uh, I know it's a lot to say and think that a New Yorker can make barbecue. No, it's impressive. Billy, Billy is unbelievable. Mm. Um, but what he's done is his local community in Red Hook, Brooklyn, really has a a cultural kind of background to it, um, really a Vietnamese, Korean. There, there's a lot of ethnic and, and ethnicities in there yep. that he wanted to share with everybody. Um, so, mm. I mean, even in his Korean sticky ribs on his menu, Jamaican jerk uh, chicken or jerk back baby back ribs, the flavors that you wouldn't really think would be traditional barbecue, he able, he's able to put a recipe together that pulls them off that will actually knock your socks off. And, and his, his Korean sticky ribs are still one of my favorite items. And, and I love the fact that I'm in the Northeast because every time I go there, he knows, you know, I'm going to at least get a rack or two. Yeah. <laughs> okay, can you order one for me? Because that Korean sauce with the garlic and the ginger and the brown sugar and gochujang is brilliant. But the secret that he shared with you that you share with us is 
fascinating to me. So he long smokes the ribs, right? We long smoke the ribs, but what he does probably different the most is that the ribs have almost no rub on them when we're smoking them. So you smoke the ribs with just a little bit of sugar and a little bit of salt, and that is it. Everything that happens into these ribs happens at the end with the sauce. Um, You put the sauce on it, and literally he will flash fry them for just a couple seconds. That's it. Wait, he literally fries the ribs before they they go out, the restaurant term, right? Before he serves them. It makes that sauce just absolutely crisping up and just stick right to those ribs. It's it's something that's special. I mean, it's a recipe in the book that I can tell you out of all the recipes that we've probably made it in my house more than any of the others. And I can't wait to make it. You mentioned... I there's, there's a uh, recipe in there my daughters love to make, so there's one more that probably runs toe-to-toe with it, and we'll get to that probably in a little bit. I think. Uh, yeah, yes, we will. Um, I do love, by the way, the name of your company, Handsome Devil, LLC. Uh, you were coined that by one of your girls. My oldest daughter, yes. I'm yes. not that narcissistic in vain. So, uh, <laughs> no, but um, daughters always tell the truth yeah i, I have uh, you know prior to barbecue I, I have a story myself i, I was an accountant so i would mm-hmm. be working in midtown manhattan every single day and i'd leave for work at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning and one morning she got up and i was walking out the door and, and she said daddy you're a handsome devil mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god she just found the name of the company the whole time i've been trying to figure a name <laughs> for us i really couldn't you know hit a hit a name that worked well so as I'm sitting on the train riding my two-hour commute to the city, I'm Googling to see if the name Handsome Devil's been right. used by anybody in New York, if anybody's got the barbecue name. And, and literally by the time I got to the office, I had the name registered and we were in business. I love it. Leave it to a brilliant kid to get you to register a domain. It is. And right. now all of a sudden, you know, eight, ten years later, she's trying to look for royalties. And I said, sorry, I already have a trademark. Okay, you mentioned a rub. And the yep. simplicity of that Korean sticky rib having salt and sugar solely during the smoking process. But you right. share tidbits of your recipes that are strewn throughout the book. Um, And one of them has just the best name. And I'm hopeful that you will share your please tell me rub. Every time you use it, somebody says, please tell me what's in this, right? You you have to because it takes the most simplest. And it's actually made up of some simple ingredients, but it will take the simplest dishes and make them taste really great. So uh, uh, it's in the book. It's made up of some Hungarian paprika. We have some coarse flake salt, uh, chipotle chili powder, granulated garlic, black ground pepper, and some thyme and rosemary. Um, really only five or six ingredients, not, not a big heavy rub, but all of those items work together so great from chicken, um, any type of poultry, and really seafood. really makes the, everything come alive. Nice. And can we make it in a big batch, keep it in a mason jar, dark, dry, cool place, and then use it, you know, until we run out and make a new batch again? Absolutely. It it holds tight and pretty well in a a nice, cool place for up to six months. Yeah, which is very cool. Then, of course, I found your devil's base rub, and that goes on, uh, that's your classic, right? That goes on just about everything but that makes that rub makes specifically brilliant bark that rub has launched my brand when i when i was looking to make the barbecue brand go out there i wanted to start out with a rub three sauces and a mac and cheese recipe and i said we could run from there so i spent mm. almost an entire year working on just this rub there's again there's only a few ingredients paprika some turbinado sugar kosher salt uh granulated garlic some coarse black pepper onion mm. powder and a little cayenne pepper um but it was just hitting the right amounts and getting the right kind of uh ratios to work out for us that, is, that work great. Uh, we have state championships in uh, KCBS Barbecue in six states. I won the New York City Wine and Food Festival using this rub. Well-deserved. Um, 
done, done well for us. Yes, no doubt. And so when I make it at home, I'll give you full credit. I promise. Enjoy. Thank, as long as it comes you. out, oh, great. Then, it's, then give me the credit. Okay. If, if it turns out brilliantly, <laughs> then Ed Randolph taught me. Perfect. Okay, Ed, you're making me so hungry. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're smoking with pitmaster Ed Randolph. Don't miss it. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The book is called Smoked, and pitmaster Ed Randolph is celebrating recipes and stories from the best pitmasters around the world. Uh, you mentioned mac and cheese, which means you have to share it, please. Uh, because I this did. is the de- no, you did, I know, but yeah. like right now, the devil's oh. smoked mac and cheese. It is, and it, it doesn't have to be made on a smoker. If you don't have a smoker, I mean, by all means, use your oven at home. Uh, the smoker just adds another, I think, layer of and then flavor profile for us. Yes, but it was a uh, again another labor of love to kind of go through and 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 put it together. So it's it's a combination using everything from a little roux from your, your um, then some milk, sour cream. Uh, mozzarella, and I use some aged cheddar. You know, it's, mm. it's good. Uh, my my thing that I really found that worked out well was using the cavatappi pasta. I love cav- I love cavatappi. There's something beautiful about that noodle, Ed. It, that I love it. It takes the sauce in, and it soaks it up, and it holds it, and it gets in all the uh, curly crevices. I, I love cavatappi as well. Yeah, for me, that's, that really changed the game for me, because a lot of times I was trying to use from everything from elbows to whatever you can imagine. Um, and then all of a sudden I tried this, and it, it really, as you mentioned and stated, it, it, everything just kind of holds right to it. It's a nice firm bite, good forkful, mm. uh, makes you just want to have more. Oh, no doubt. If you just tuned in, you're late because we're smoking. Yes, from the new book, Smoked, getting a ton of attention, available on Amazon and in fine bookstores everywhere, written by Ed Randolph. It is his journey to find incredible recipes, standout pitmasters, and the stories behind them. And so we're traveling for barbecue because I will travel for food. Um, I am a Southern California girl born and bred, Ed. I'm not sure if you know that. And through and through, by the way. And it made me very proud to know that Maple Block Meat Company and Daniel in the heart of LA, uh, was getting acclaim. So it's a local favorite uh, here in Los Angeles. And you say that he makes the best brisket in California. That's a big statement. Go there and enjoy the brisket and you tell me if I'm wrong. No, uh, it's I'll, amazing. I'll I have to agree. I'll put his, his brisket up there. I mean, you have some great uh, barbecue in LA. I mean, the area really has, I think I featured three pitmasters from the LA area. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, one time when I, I was doing the accounting stuff and that, that business, I'd fly out to LA for one of my clients and I'd have friends tell me, oh, have you ever been to Maple Block? And I was like, Maple Block? And like, there's a barbecue company out here. And I'm like, okay, it's LA. Um, and I walked in there and I had the brisket and I think even uh, his sausage as well is, is phenomenal. Uh, to the point now, anytime I go to L.A., it's, it's a stop. As soon as I get off the plane, I go. And I, even if they're not open, I, I know Daniel now. I got his number. I text him. I said, please leave me something, whatever you have. Um, last time, I think he left me some brisket chili was left behind for me. Oh. So it was uh, a really great uh, place. And they, and they do it right. I mean, you're literally just a salt and pepper rub. Um, just doing over, cooking over some nice, I think he uses oak and some peach wood he has out there. Mm. And then the product is phenomenal. Can we talk woods for a moment, please? Because 
I love Alderwood, Applewood. Those are the two I've embraced. Uh, and Peachwood, for sure. But give us a quick crash course on charcoal and wood and what the two both give to barbecue. Your, your charcoal is really going to give you your heat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good heat source for you to have. Wood is wood can, will provide your heat, of course, as well. Um, but we'll add that extra flavor, layer of flavor to you. Um, to your product. What I always try to tell people, though, and are always asking, what type of wood do you use? It's better, you know, you'll hear everybody in Texas saying you got to use, you know, white post oak. Um, well, guess what? In New York, I don't have white post oak. In LA, you don't have white post oak. No. So use what's regionally to you and what's available to you. Um, make your flavor profile be what you can cook with it all the time without having to burden this other crazy expense as well to try to make it. So for me in New York, I have red oak and I've got a ton of apple orchards, so I have apple. Mm. So that's really what you're going to notice in my flavor profile. Um, your oak, your hickory, your mesquite, really a heavy heavy wood will provide a lot of flavor. You're going to want to use that on your bigger cuts of meat, your pork, uh, pork butts, and also your beef, any type of beef ribs, briskets. Um, your chickens, your poultry, your seafood, they are really a sponge for smoke. So you want to be careful that you don't go with something heavy and use something lighter like the alderwood, the uh, peach, the apple, cherry. Uh, they just put a nice little flavor on it without making it taste like a piece of charcoal. Right. And I will say alderwood smoked salmon cannot be beat. It's really, it's really good. Yeah. What a combo that is. Yep. That was a good crash course. Thank you. I like the idea of finding what is available in your area and making that your signature because then you master it, right? Then you've Absolutely. learned to work with that wood and you know the flavor that it imparts. You know how much to use and how little to use at times depending upon the protein. And I think that's a really terrific tip is really master what you can keep on hand. It will make you a better pit master. Absolutely. It's all about, I mean, with, with barbecue, everything you want is constant temperature, constant kind of uh, low and slow time temperature and knowing your product. So Mm. if you know you're constantly going to deal with a type of wood or even a type of protein that you can kind of get consistently without having to have it shipped in from halfway across the country, uh, it allows you to make your cook process that much better. Okay, just turn the page to watermelon ribs. That is our friends at Loveless Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee. And when they... Uh, That's watermelon on top. You really wouldn't think watermelons... I'm, I'm a purist barbecue guy. I like my ribs. I, I think some of the best ribs might be uh, Peg Lake Porkers in, in Nashville. And we went over to Loveless um, and really tried the ribs. And I was blown away. Really could not believe the putting it in watermelon, how the sweetness from the watermelon and kind of the vinegar sauce, you know, the vinegar from the sauce almost pickles the, the watermelon. And it just it, it's a combination that really is... It's unbelievable. Um, I mean, they sell out of these ribs every single time they make them every Wednesday. Crazy. They, they do a phenomenal job with these things. Yeah, sweet, savory, as you talk about. And, you know, I happen to love pickled watermelon rind. Yep. I add it to, um, to marinades. I find it it's just a great flavor enhancer. So watermelon ribs, that is right up my alley. I'm going back to sides for a moment. Okay. Hatch green chili corn pudding. So we talk a lot about hatch on this show. I love hatch chilies. I love the onions that are now being grown, those sweet hatch chili onions. They're not chili infused by any means, but the soil being so fertile, it is evident that the Hatch Valley has proven they can grow just about anything. And the onions are brilliant. Uh, But this combination of hatch chili and corn in a, a creamy, crazy good pudding has to be out of this world. That's Lewis barbecue, right? Lewis Barbecue, John Lewis is actually based up at a, he was from Austin, Texas, but um, yeah. had a lot of 
kind of southwestern kind of upbringing and, mm. and learning how to cook. So really, um, for me, hatch, hatch chilies are, are something really special over here on the East Coast. We do yes, not get them. Yes, you don't get them as much them. as we do. I'll send you some. Please. Okay. Because uh, when I went down to visit his location, I mean, he makes probably some of the best beef uh, you'll ever find. And when I went down the line and he was giving me some food to try and we were talking about the book, I had this, this chili corn pudding and I was like, John, I'm sorry. I know you're actually world-renowned for your beef, but I need this recipe because uh, this thing is great. And he actually talks about every year. He does actually a green chili kind of like um, festival in town where he'll chuck in two or three tons of green chilies on his own and, and get together a couple of barbecue guys, and they come up with all of these different recipes with the green chilies. But this one and this corn pudding is, is something that uh, please try it. You will not be disappointed, I guarantee you. Yeah, thank you for sharing the recipe. We have hatched chili roastings all throughout Southern California that are quite a treat. And I leave with a case. Uh, yeah. And it, yeah, it's something special. Melissa's Produce, uh, who supports this show, and I'm very grateful for, for a lot of years, uh, brought Hatch Chilies. And they're actually spreading them across the country. So I'm going to look for a location for you so that you can get your hands on some. That is perfect, because the FedEx guy has no problem bringing them to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the FedEx guy is your best friend, too? Yes. Yes. yes it's funny. It's funny when he always comes in, he asks, what's, what's in here? And uh, I'm known kind of for doing some crazy stuff. So one day I had like a nine-foot alligator shipped to me. Did you I, really? I, I, yeah, I told him, I was like, I'm, I'm doing an alligator. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. I was like, no, really, buddy, there's a nine-foot alligator in this box. And, and uh, So now he doesn't even ask. Now he's like, I, I'm afraid to ask what's in a box that comes to your house. Before I let you go, oh, my peanut butter pie. There we go. We got Tank Jackson of Holy City Hogs in uh, Ravenall, South Carolina. So, so this recipe is a great kind of uh, old-school icebox pie, they would call it. Um, really easy to make. There's only maybe five or six ingredients in the thing, but it's a great peanut butter pie. Uh, more importantly, you know, to, to be able to share the story of Tank and all these other pitmasters in the book mm. is what it's all about. I love your passion. I wish you continued success with the book. I know that your second book is being culminated, and I can't wait to have you back on and very proud to support uh, he is Ed Randolph, and you have seen him reign supreme on Food Network. Uh, you can learn more at handsomedevilllc.com, where he will sign a book and send it off to you. And then, of course, you can become a pro at a variety of rubs and slather your barbecue with a sauce for every palate and take your place as the pit master in your home because the tricks of the trade are shared in Ed Randolph's first cookbook release entitled Smoked. Trust me, you will want to lick the pages of this book. It is so delicious. A pleasure to have you on the radio, Ed. I'll continue to follow, and, uh, and I look forward to sitting down to barbecue with you at some point soon. Thank you, Chef. Thank Live, you. Love pleasure. barbecue, everybody. Yes, and great barbecue to you. As the delicious conversation continues, we do have the best culinary thinkers on this show. And I'm going to go lick the page of peanut butter pie, so you should grab a snack and come on back. There's more delicious conversation in your radio right after this. Oh, I love what I do.
This is where informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation abounds. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. We're spreading awareness today, enlightening, fascinating conversation that you need to know. Did you know that more than one in 10 adults suffers from a food allergy today, and food allergies are even more common in children? And with these allergies on the rise, it's really hard to find someone who isn't directly or indirectly affected by food allergies. So what do you need to know? Well, starting young is the only way to lessen the food allergy epidemic in this country. And Ready, Set, Food is on a mission to help prevent 80% of childhood food allergies. Dr. Katie Marks-Kogan is a board-certified pediatric and adult allergist specializing in allergy, asthma, and sinus disease, and she is here to enlighten us. I'm very glad to have you, Dr. Marks-Kogan. Thank you. Oh, Jamie, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's really exciting to be talking with you today. Yes, and I think that modern medicine is extraordinarily exciting. So I'm really very delighted to be doing this good work with you, I'd like to say, and and really spreading the word. First off, what is a food allergy, if you would please define it, versus a food intolerance? I think that we need to uh, create a separation and understand the difference. So a food allergy is when the body's immune system mistakenly responds to certain foods that it thinks are harmful. Okay. So, in general, our immune system really defends and protects us from foreign invaders like certain viruses and bacteria. But food allergies occur when the immune system basically over-defends and treats certain proteins in food as foreign invaders. These proteins are called allergens, and our immune systems make special allergy antibodies called IgE antibodies to help fight these allergens off. Right. There are some very extreme situations, no doubt. Yes. Yes. Now, a food intolerance, that's different. Very different. So, a a food intolerance is not mediated by our immune system, and it's rarely ever life-threatening, and it's often limited to the digestive system. So, a great example is lactose intolerance. Uh, which can lead to, you know, bloating and gas, for instance. Mm -hmm. But the important thing to note is that a food allergy is mediated by the immune system and can be life-threatening, and a food intolerance is not. And there are food sensitivity tests to determine allergies for adults and children today? When you say food sensitivity tests, there are some tests out on the market that um, patients can, uh, or people, excuse me, can actually just buy on their own. Right. Um, and these are not um, necessarily evidence-based tests, hmm. and they're not testing for allergy. They're testing for this term of sensitivity. And again, um, the what they're testing for has not been, you know, proven to really be relevant. Hmm. Um, and so, allergy testing is done through, you know someone who specialized in allergy, and it can involve, you know, different types of testing, and it's really um, able to help pinpoint if there is an immune reaction occurring, uh, again, with uh, specifically to an allergy. So it's very different. There's really, with food intolerance, in terms of sort of the main uh, topic of intolerance, there's not many tests. A lot of it is just elimination, you know, trial, right, trial and error, 
Very smart. Okay, so tell us about Ready, Set, Food, the science behind it, please, Uh, because that's really where we're getting to. I'm very proud to support Ready, Set, Food to tell you that I learned about it. Um, I think it is a fascinating discovery and movement in the, uh, in the world of allergies. And I believe in starting early, um, when it comes to food and otherwise for children across the board. So, um, tell us about it. Ready, set food, it's called. Yes, absolutely. So basically ready, set food is an infant dietary supplement that includes the allergens from the foods that are most commonly associated with childhood food allergies. So milk, egg, and peanuts are the most common and important childhood food allergens, and they make up about 80% of childhood food allergies. So those are the three Hmm. foods that are included in Ready, Set, Food. Uh, Basically, it is uh, made from the powder of these natural foods. Kudos to you. Thank you for leading the way. Thank you for sharing your passion and for enlightening us uh, and for spreading awareness. Uh, Dr. Katie Marks Kogan and Ready Set Food are leading the way. If you want to learn more about childhood food allergies and how to lessen or limit them, because I think it betters our country as a whole. And from a food loving standpoint, uh, there is no better. You can learn more at readysetfood.com. You can read reviews on Amazon that will amaze you. Um, Dr. Marks Kogan, I loved having you. I would love for you to come back. We'll continue to talk allergies. And I would like to watch the continued success and growth of Ready Set Food, because this is a really brilliant discovery. So nice. And it was wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Kudos to you. I would love to come on and, and, you know, talk about anything allergy related with you again. Thank you so much. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration and delectable conversation. I certainly hope that it made you think and that I made you hungry and that you will cook this week to feed your soul. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for the hour. Let me introduce you to my five-minute magic green sauce. It is perfect for dipping chips into as a spread on a sandwich. It's non-dairy, by the way, and safe in the summer sun. It's luscious as a dressing on salad. It's really good for dipping vegetables. It's creamy. It's a little bit spicy. It's tangy. And I know it will become your go-to sauce as well. So it's loaded with avocado, garlic, parsley, cilantro, olive oil, jalapeno, lime juice, salt, and pistachios. Yes. And it's reminiscent of guacamole, but the parsley, the pistachios, the olive oil keep it from being decidedly Mexican in flavor, but it is compatible with literally everything. So I will post the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram right now at Chef Jamie Gwen. Check it out on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. My magic green sauce is posted there now. And of course, it's for your edible pleasure. I'll also meet you here next weekend where there is guaranteed lots more fabulous food in your radio. If you're looking for the weekly bonus recipe for my best old-fashioned fried chicken, just email me, jamie at chefjamie.com. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well.